Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. We're going to invite my wonderful doctor friend. This place is full of doctors, have you noticed? I kind of want some normal people. Because you know these doctors who've done PhDs? You know PhD stands for permanent head damage, don't you? <laughs> well, a lot of these people got permanent head damage. I'm not talking about you now, because I know you're going to preach. Um, seriously. <laughs> I just want some normal people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody who delivers pizzas or something. I don't know. Just some normal people. Can I have some normal people? Is that not normal? Okay. Let's give, let's, before I wrap it on more, let's give Laura some encouragement. I think Pizza Hut driver is another <laughs> abbreviation for PhD. So I won't be able to give you medical advice. I might appear very good at this because I work in School of Pharmacy. So lunchtime conversations are quite often medically related. So I give a very good impression of being medically qualified, but I'm not. (laughs) So, it's very disappointing. I had a dream last night, and Emma Stark was leading the meeting, and then she just carried on talking, so I didn't have to speak. And it hasn't happened. <laughs> so you got me instead. <laughs> There's always tonight. See, my turn up tonight. You never know. See, might. So we are carrying on with the core values. Still talking about presence and the two aspects of presence of God we are talking about today is the word of God and freedom and they kind of we've listed them two separate things but I think for me one leads on to the other so I'll I'll read the two scriptures that I've got as a starting point and I haven't been organized and told the team so you'll just have to listen to me so 2 Timothy 3 16 to 17 All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that's what we are talking about today, and that's, I think, for me, Freedom has always been one of the core values or core foundations of the bay. That there is a freedom just to come and be who you are and come and experience God as who he is. So (laughs) if you looked on Facebook, it said Lara is preaching. I think Lara is sharing random thoughts this morning. Because I've, I had three hours of teaching on Friday and I ended up preaching the poor students of research methods rather than teaching them. Um, so I've done my preaching for the week, so this is just random thoughts. I'm sure they were con- really comp- converted into doing research properly after their three hours. <laughs> Friday afternoon until four o'clock. Who wouldn't? So, what do you mean? I'm an amazing lecturer. So, serious face. I think the word of God is the beginning and the end. Without it, there is nothing. And the word is is not just dry scripture. It's our way of encountering God through what he says, and being trans- transformed. 
And I've just picked up three characteristics of what I feel the word does or is. And for me, the first one of them is truth. It's truth about who God is. It's the truth about God's character. And it's also truth about how God sees us. And I love in the Old Testament with the Hebrews, they put the commandments of God on their door frames and on their foreheads. So the word was part of who they were. Every day, every time they walked through the door frames, they would see the word of God. And I think there is a side where we as a society, we don't value the word in the same way. And it's one of my hobby horses, I'm bringing it out later, but just the advance warning of it. I think in, in our society, it's so easy to access good sermons, read good blogs, that we've actually forgotten the value of going back to the original source. So that's hobby horse warning, it's coming out later hopefully in kind of very orderly manner. But God has given us his word to breathe it in and breathe it out. And what goes in comes out. So if you want to be God to people around you, if you want to present who God is, you need to first digest it into who you are. And then it will just naturally flow out of you. And the wonderful thing with the truth is, it's the truth that will set you free. In John 8, 32, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when you really know who God is, it's an invitation into freedom. So for me, Word is there to challenge us. What do you believe in? Do you believe in who God is and who he says he is in the word? Or do you let people around you influence the way you see God? And if, anybody, if anybody's had a so-so, you'd know the big part of so-so is asking God to reveal any lies that you believe about him. And then asking him to reveal what's the truth because it's the truth that sets you free it's not enough to identify the lie you need to know what the truth is and for me truth is almost an anchor because god wants us to have strong foundations he doesn't want us to be tossed about um, in ephesians 4 14 to 15 it talks about when we are mature when we are no longer infants. I'll read it out. So it's Ephesians 4, 14 to 15. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become. It's not an instant thing. We will grow to become. There's a transformation that takes place. And I'm not a great scholar of Greek. I'm not a scholar at all. But I like looking up the kind of original meaning of the words. And the word toss in the original Greek is actually talks about, it's kind of literally, it is the tossing of waves back and forth. But it's also used figuratively as the mental agitation when you're kind of, when you're, when you're mentally, you're just all over the place. So it's, it's kind of, it's challenging us to just make sure that we hold fast to what he says and don't let our minds be tossed back and forth. And um, I'll have a video clip if Mark has managed to get it working. It's kind of related, but not related, but I like it. So, 
I used to do my exams in the hall, and I first gave blood in the hall as well. Um, and if you want to see more kind of the kind of, that was, I think that was the first version they did a couple of years ago, they did a much more professional looking version of the same experiment where they had safety goggles and gloves. <laughs> and <laughs> but for me, when we are tossed about, we are like the ping pong ball. It has no control. There's a force that happens, and the ping pong ball just goes wherever. It bounces here, there, and everywhere. So if we are not grounded in the word of God, we are like the ping pong ball. This just keeps bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and going completely randomly. So if it knocks onto another ball, it just goes in another direction. It has no control of their direction. So remember, you don't want to be a ping pong ball. <laughs> so the word of God brings truth to our life. And once you have the truth, the word has power. It's our weapon. We all know the good old Sunday school song where you put on the armory of God and how the word of God is our sword. How often do we use it? In Hebrew 4.12, it talks about the word of God being alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating and dividing the spirit and the soul, joints and, joints and marrow, and it judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word has power, but there is still an aspect where you can choose to allow God to penetrate who you are with his truth or you can just let it pass by. But when we really grasp at what power there is in the word of God, it's amazing. Um, if you think when Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan, what did he t do? He just answered with the word of God. He had been fasting for 40 days by that point as well. But he answered with the word of God, and that was the thing that defeated the enemy. It's the word that has the power. And with this, the power of words is something we're teaching else. Somebody might have heard earlier the <coughs> screech. So he's kind of learning that there's something going on with verbal things, that kind of when you make a noise, things happen. But we don't really like having that <coughs> every time she wants something. So we're slowly <laughs> trying to encourage her to use words. And interestingly, because I speak to her in Finnish, so she, had, she has learned the word Anna, which means give, in Finnish. And then the other day, she had been with Jean. And she had been really frustrated trying to say this word. And obviously, Jean doesn't speak Finnish yet. <laughs> Hadn't understood what she was after. And she just kept repeating this word because it should work. Um, <laughs> so I think she kind of reverted into the wine in the end because it was more powerful. But... The word of God has power, but also the words we speak have power. So when, when you allow the truth of God to penetrate your soul and to become part of who you are, then the words you speak out have power as well. And they release the presence of God and who God is. But part of that is, do we really believe the truth? or not? Do we believe God's promises? Or do we believe the things that people have spoken over our lives that are not godly? Because those words have power as well. And if you let them influence you, they will take hold of you. And sometimes it could, could have just been a teacher at school just making a little comment. But it got hold of you, and years down the line, you're not doing well at school because the teacher made a comment about you not listening well or you not being good at maths. So words have power, whether they're positive or negative. But we have the access to the truth through the word of God. And we have the power to release his truth 
in what we do. And I've had a kind of situation going on at work for the last couple of months. And literally, it must have been, I can't remember it was a Monday, happened Wednesday, I went to soaking that um, marked us. Um, and it was the first time I actually managed to make it there because usually I'd been teaching or we'd had meetings. And I was kind of, I just couldn't focus because I was so, just so down by what was going on. And I kind of slayed there for an hour. And the only thing God said to me was, I'm your defender. I'll fight your battle for you. And all the ways, it, the kind of, it hasn't been solved properly yet, but there has been a promise of it will be solved now. But all the way through when it was going on, that was the thing that kept me focused. He's my defender. And I know in the Psalms, that's the truth. It wasn't just a word I heard from God. I also know it is his word because I've read, read it. And I think that's where it's so important that we do read the Bible. Because then we know when we hear something, we have a witness in our spirits. And we also know it's written there. It's not just me making up because that's the thing the enemy wants to say. Oh, you didn't hear that. God didn't say that. Whereas when you know the truth, you can say, no, he did say that. He is my defender. He will fight my battles. And the power of God's word, it, it, it's like a mirror. Um, and I think part of the mirror, the kind of mirror is the part of the process how we transform and become like God. We read the word and we see who God is. And it allows us to reflect ourselves against that and see where do we need change. And in James 1, 22 to 25, I'll read it out. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at, the f at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So it is his word that reflects who he is, reflects how he sees us and shows us if, if there is a discrepancy, he shows us that's the area you need to work. And the better the mirror you have, the clearer the reflection of who God is. And if your knowledge of who God is is just based on a couple of Bible verses, your mirror is tiny. I've got You're not going to see yourself in this two inches max. You can only see part of you. Whereas if you have a full-size mirror, if your knowledge of who God is in his word yeah. is broad, then you have much better reflection of who he is and you're able to reflect yourself in it. <laughs> and for God, he's not interested in how good we look. Bad news. He's interested in your salvation and your sanctification. To him, it doesn't really matter what you look like on the outside. He wants to focus on the inside. And part of the transformation is, is being nourished, is being fed. You can't just be fed on one piece of scripture all your life. You can't focus. So if I kept from now on, God is my defender. It works for me once. If I keep focusing on that, it will actually mean that a couple of years down the line, I will have a very distorted view of who God is because I have just focused on one aspect of him. It doesn't mean the one aspect is not true. 
place does mean I'm not getting the totality of who God is, and that's not been worked not worked out in my life. And then we're it goes back to going back to the original source, to spending time with God, spending time with His Word, and just letting it soak into you. And for me, I love hearing good sermons. I used to like reading good blogs, but then I kind of gave up on them because they didn't always agree with me. So <laughs> no, I think the problem is you could just spend hours and hours and hours reading and listening to things that are good and interesting, but then at the end of the day, that's it. Whereas I can actually spend half an hour reading the Bible that is much more beneficial. It doesn't mean that I'm not saying blogs aren't good and sermons aren't good. But it doesn't replace the time you spend with the word of God and letting it soak into you. And I almost kind of, the image I had of using blocks and sermons, it was, you know, like penguins, when the penguin, they waddle off and get their fish and come back, the baby penguins. And then they give the regurgitated, chewed up fish. It nourishes the baby. It does the job it's required to do. But after a while, you'd get fed up with that. And I think that's where it comes to that we are called to be mature. There's supposed to be growth happening in us. And it's fine having the baby food that has been chewed up and prepared for you when you're little because you don't know how to feed yourself. This baby has milk. They need somebody to give milk to them. But as you grow up, you learn to feed yourself. And that happens in a natural. Henry can do scrambled eggs and beans. Hopefully he'll kind of diversify in his cooking skills. But he would be able to keep himself alive. Probably get malnourished, but he would survive. And that's the whole process of us as Christians. When we are little, when we are little babies, we are supposed to be fed. But as we grow and mature, and our roots are going deeper and deeper into who God is, we are the ones who will be feeding others. So if your sole source of nourishment is from other people's thoughts through sermons or blogs, they hopefully say good things like me that are based on the Bible, but it doesn't replace you spending time with God and letting his work penetrate you, mirror you, and reflect his character on who you are. I was very tame with my hobby horse, I think. Yeah. So. So, we've pretty much established now, word is a good thing. It's good to read the word, and it's good to let the word impact you. And for, for me, one of the main reasons why the word is so good is because it brings freedom. It brings you release. It takes you away of being imprisoned, being enslaved, and this opens up a whole new world <coughs> where you are free. God's word, it breaks bondages, it sets us free. We're no longer slaves. For freedom, I have set you free. And he meant that. And I think one of the biggest things that keeps us from freedom is fear. We're going to fear of man, fear of failure, we have fear of future, fear of disappointment. Fear can take many, many different shapes. Some of it is big and ugly, some of it is little. But all of it keeps you in bondage. Whereas when you allow the truth of God speak to you, what does he say? He says, my perfect love casts out all fear. Not just a little bit, but all of it. There's nothing that's too big for God. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How good is that? That is what we want for anybody who walks through the door of this building. We want them to know there is freedom. That they don't have to go on living like they always have been. That there is God who loves them so much that he wants to set them free. And the wonderful thing with spirit, that's the thing that gives life, gives breath to us. Without spirit, we wouldn't be. Without having the breath of God in us, we wouldn't exist. And the freedom that God gives is, is not a kind of freedom just to go and do anything and everything you fancy. But it's actually freedom to be who God created you to be. And allow his identity that he created for you become your identity. And we all of us, we know through, it's usually nobody's fault, but through parenting, through school, the way we've been brought up, work situations, those things have shaped us. But they haven't necessarily shaped us the way God created you to be. Because each one of us, when God created you, he gave you an identity. And for each one of us, he put unique things into you that only you have, that only you can do. But then as we grow up, people put labels on us. And those labels don't always match up the labels that God put on us. And sometimes, especially if we don't know the word of God, if we don't have a support around us, if we don't know the love of God, we start to believe the labels other people put on us more than the labels God has spoken over us. And part of the process of God setting us free is cutting off the labels the world has put on us and just believing the labels God has put on us knowing what is the identity God gave me and leaving behind things people have put on me. Let's see if I can find Galatians. There we are. Galatians 5, 1 to 6. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. You who are trying to, trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor in uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So there is no law. If we try to follow the law, we get entangled, we get yoked, enslaved. They were talking about circumcision there, but it could be anything that we try to lay kind of rules. You have to do this and you have to do that. Whereas none of those things will save you. And part of the liberty that God gives us, the freedom that he gives us, 
is actually not to do the things that the law said. And I think it's a funny thing having been brought up in the church because all the things in the Old Testament, there's nothing wrong with them. But what Jesus brought was so much better. And he didn't come to get rid of the law, but he came to fulfill it. But through fulfilling it, it means we have access to him through our relationship. We don't have to work to earn his love. He loves us. So there's no law that we can follow that would make us worthy of his love because that's not the way it works. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's the only thing we are to worry about. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So the more God's word you hear, it raises the faith in you. So when you read the scripture where it says you're more than conquerors, you actually start to believe it because the faith in you is starting to rise. And I think one of the kind of, all throughout the letters, there was the whole argument, the freedom kind of, doesn't it mean you can just go and do anything you like? And Paul just clarifies it really nicely, I think, in verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So we have been given the freedom to do what we want. And it's our choice how we use the freedom. With law and faith, there's always a choice. You can follow the law if you want. It will be hard work. Or you can choose faith. You can believe the lies and labels people around you have put on you. Or you can believe the labels and the truth of God. And God has actually given us a freedom to make choices. He's given us a freedom to make bad choices as well. And it's one of those things you kind of think, loving father wouldn't do that, would he? But that wouldn't be freedom. If he would limit our choices, that wouldn't be freedom. If he only gave us good choices to make, we wouldn't be free. So there are bad choices out there. Just because you know God and love him doesn't mean all the choices left for you are good. It means you got the Holy Spirit to guide you to make a good choice. But it's not an automatic process. It wasn't even in Eden. If he wanted to make the choice difficult, he would have hidden the tree of knowledge somewhere where they couldn't get. I like the way Danny Silk puts it, the naked people couldn't get to the top of Mount Everest, could they? <laughs> if, if God wanted to make the bad choice really difficult, he could have done it. But no, no. He put it right in the middle. So the bad choice has always been there. Sorry to break dreams if anybody thought there were no bad choices available. Um, but that's free will. That's the freedom. That he has given you the free freedom to make a good choice or bad choice. Because he's a loving father and he wants us to love him because we want to love him. Not because we feel like this is the only thing we can do. And as a parent, you would rather have your child love you because they want to do it, not because you tell them you have to. And they wouldn't really feel love if you knew they were only doing because they had to. And the wonderful thing is, there are bad choices out there, and it's a choice it's ours to make. But God has also given you a spirit that calls Abba Father, 
So if you allow the word of God, the spirit of God, to fill you in all around you, there is from within you, there's a deep cry that calls Abba Father. Just longs to be with him. The man with our spirit doesn't understand things of the spirit. So it's one of those things that doesn't doesn't make sense. In society, there's always everybody wants to have rules. Because they don't understand how you can have such a freedom that actually fulfills all the rules and goes beyond that. And I felt the picture God gave us, gave me, and hopefully for all of us, about the word and the freedom, is when they're working together, it's like a, he's bringing us alignment in alignment with who he is and who he created us to be. It was almost like when you, not that I've ever cracked a lock, but when you kind of see in films when they try to undo the safe or something, it's putting things in alignment and making sure they line up, and then things can open up. So I felt that there's a, there is an alignment that God brings to each one of us through his word and through the freedom, and through that there's going to be unlocking of the destiny he has for us. And I just felt that God really wanted to challenge each one of us this morning by what's your Egypt? What's the thing you're struggling with that you want God to speak over and say, let my people go. Let my son be free. Let my daughter be free. Because it's a process. It's not, we're not instantly free of everything. It's a process. That's why it's like the mirror. You're being transformed into the image of God you see in the word. And the more you get to know him, the better the picture gets. And the better the reflection you have from the mirror is. But there's always things, I think until we get to heaven, there's always something that he can be working on. There's always something that we need more freedom in. So I felt this morning, just to challenge you all, just ask God, what is the Egypt? I need to be set free from this morning. And he will come and do that. Amen. Well, I think a lot of us, um, if you're like me, you understand what your Egypt is. I think the problem is presenting your Egypt before God. I remember, um, remember being in Egypt and going to Mount Sinai, and uh, I was so excited about going because I knew God had been there. Maybe it's just me, but I kind of thought, because <laughs> God had been there, it's got to be a good place. And uh, we, we went. Uh, I was with Jackie, and we went, and um, we, we, we went on a coach, but the coach had to have an armed guard. This guy with a gun. And, uh, w- I mean, we had to get up at ridiculous, like, 4 o'clock in the morning just to get I mean, it, but I was so excited about going. It was one of those places that so long, because I, I knew if God had been there, it had to resemble God. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I remember getting there, and, and as I got there, we, we, g- we got off the, the, the bus, 
and um, I began to run up Mount Zion, up, up, up Mount Sinai. I began to, um, with, this, with this guy who was supposed to be looking after us, running after me, shouting something in Egyptian. Because my focus was I just wanted to experience a place where God had touched. And, and actually the safety around that, I, had, I just hadn't even given it a thought. And uh, I remember the God running after me, and he ran up the mountain <laughs> to catch me. <laughs> With Jack, he's standing down there. I remember Jack was standing next to a camel at the bottom. I'll not forget <laughs> it. Just shaking a head at me. And uh, this guy running after me. And he caught up, and he said to me, you can't just do that. And I said, I can. God's been here. And he says, no, you can't. It's dangerous. That's why I've got a gun. It's dangerous, you see. And um, I, I remember chatting with him, but he, he was a Muslim. The guy was a Muslim. And he just didn't have any concept of why I would want to go up a mountain where somebody said God had been. And, and as Laura was speaking this morning, <laughs> I was so aware that our freedom is determined by how prepared we are to take our Egypt to the place where God is. Because unless we do that, God will never set you free from your Egypt. <laughs> because we protect ourselves and we protect the things, the choices that sometimes we make that are contrary to his word and contrary to the good things in our lives. Ha. Huh. Well, so let's do that. We've got a few minutes. Let's present our Egypt. So we'll do a bit of sozo. God, as I present to you, repeat after me. God, as I present to you, my Egypt, what do you give me in return? I'll listen to his voice. So we make a declaration this day. You know, God, when he came looking for Adam and Eve, he says, who told you? Didn't he? Who told you you were naked? Because what they were listening to was not the truth. Who told you? God, we break off this day the who told you is in this place. 
where we've listened to the voice of the accuser. And we've stepped into some stuff we shouldn't have. And we say we're sorry for that. And we break that off today, God. We choose today to listen to the truth of the Word of God that says you're our defender, you're our rescuer, you're our help, you're our great place to run to in times of need. You are everything that we need. We, we declare the truth of who you are. We thank you for the freedom that you've brought to us. We thank you for the freedom of choice. We thank you, Father, that we can run to you. Wow. And we just break off that lie. Who told you? (laughs) We declare the truth that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. That he's constantly speaking on our behalf. We declare the truth of Jesus' word over our life. That brings liberty and freedom to each one of us. We declare that the Word of God says that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. We declare that over each of us. And God, I pray that as this week unfolds for us, each of us will know a whole new realm of freedom. Wow. So I start just just sensing there's just that little little bit still to do. So I'm just gonna ask us to pray. To pray in tongues. To pray in the spirit. Because when your spirit prays, your mind's out the way. Let's keep going. Let's pray in tongues a little bit more. When we pray in tongues, we're praying the right words. Shakara papa pasikin of Mako, Shakara papa papa pasikin of Mayan of Mako, Hitin of Mama Sikiba, Ukoria la Basi or Roma de Makitin of Masoke de Laba, Hitunumaye, Shakara papinina Maki, Ukota Sena Maki. Hey, wow. Ho. Well, 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 Koroba Satanamaki. Hey, Sikitanamaki, break it off as God. Shakarabatu Senanamaki Tetasi, Okorobati Siti Shapaka, Patatu Soparobatinama, Shakarabatu Sekanamatisi. Shakuno masuro balati tenamaki shakara papa papa si. Wow. Wow. So let's stand together as we finish. Let's stand. Keep praying in tongues. Let's stand. Shakara batu senamaki arobalatu she. Shanamama masuro bali. Shakara papa si arabatu no maki. Heke robatu mosekenama. Italabashi. I just declare the truth over you that God now rejoices over you with singing. He's rejoicing over you with singing. He rejoices over you with singing. 
I just feel we've got to seal some stuff up. So, God, right now in the Spirit, I begin to seal what you've done in this place today into the hearts and lives of people. I pray that we will be able to live from a victorious place, from a place of strength and not weakness, from a place of right choice, not wrong choice. God, I pray that you would seal up what you've done in this place today. And we pray, Father, that you'd take us further and further and further away from Egypt into the promised land. And that we will not, well, we'll have no desire to visit that place again. God, I pray you'd remove desire to visit that place. <laughs> you'd remove it. You'd remove it from us. You'd remove it from us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we bless you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the word of God. We thank you that it was in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. We thank you for Jesus, who is the word, who is the living word. Ha. And we thank you for the freedom that he brought us. God, help us to build on these values, on these core values. Help us to build on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. We're going to leave you there. It's just after 12. And uh, have a great week. Get the word. Ha. Amen. <laughs>